0: Somebody uh, asks the Buddha, where, what's going to happen to you when you die? Where are you going to go? What's going to happen to you? Are you going to exist or not exist? Or are you going to both exist and not exist? Or neither nor exist nor not exist? <laughs> That's apparently an old framing. Of
1: <laughs>
0: like all options. <coughs> Open. Open. So this person asks the Buddha what's going to happen to you when you die and the Buddha is like what are you talking about what are you talking about like he I can't remember what he says exactly but something like I'm not even there now you know, <laughs> but wh- why would he answer what's that like it, to me it seems to show that he spent hours and hours studying actually phenomena not caught in the story, in the belief of me, me later. Mm-hmm. He spent hours sitting there watching phenomena arise and pass. You know, moments of hearing. You notice it came and was gone. Moments of dread. Mm-hmm. Oh, what's going to happen of me? Oh, really there in operation, really strong. And then, whoops, gone. Suddenly wind in the trees. There, really there. And then gone. He noticed all these little phenomena happening and disappearing for probably hours and hours of really, really delicate um, attention. You know, delicately being very, very attentive to reality, not my ideas about it, but what's actually happening. Things arising and vanishing, moments happening and right aris- vanishing. Me, the great me, the. You know, horrible me. That he saw all these different versions or productions of the mind, or sights or impressions hap- arise. And he knew so deeply the arising and passing of phenomena that when the other was like, "Yeah, but I'm I'm all about stories," you know, and. So what's going to happen to you in your story? Like, there's a timeline, and at some point there's death, and what happens to the story of that person, and the timeline after, I want to know? And the Buddha's like, I'm not into that, honey pie.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll let that one go. You know, I can play with it, with, you know. I can use it, it's useful, but I'm not stuck in, with this. I've noticed something else happening. Things happen and disappear all the time, so. I, I, that's not my framing, that's not how I perceive things, you know. Therefore, I'm free of that fear and that obsession and that fascination. I was talking uh, yesterday, very briefly actually, to a friend whose uh, uh, dad died uh, at the beginning of December. And she was telling me, I really hope I'm not misrepresenting her, she has her experience, but uh, maybe relay what I understood of the conversation. Just I said, oh my God, that's 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 a big, you know, uh, event. That's and she said, yeah, but I was able to accompany my dad for, uh, you know, actually a few years, but uh, the the last few weeks certainly. And she was saying, she had a big smile, like uh, kind of some kind of gratitude and some some kind of grace, and and she was saying, Pascal, it's so strange that we fear this and we make such a big story of it and she said, I was there with, with him and there was a pulsing here or here I don't know and, and then suddenly there wasn't there was a phenomena the pulsing here and suddenly there wasn't and she said, I was very surprised by the, kind of the simplicity of the event you know there was this and the breath and suddenly it changed and suddenly it stopped. And she said, I, it was, she, I think I suggested a few of the words, but she seemed to agree. She I said, said I, you almost described as if there was something ordinary to it. And she like, yeah, there was something actually kind of ordinary, but also not, you know, very special. And I think the specialness of this was probably also the quality of her presence, you know, the quality of her presence to the ephemerality of life, knowing that there's something here. But I could see that even now, maybe two months after, she still was, wow, that's so amazing that we make such a story of this. And there was absolutely natural what happened there. There there was almost nothing to it, you know. There's life. And the pulsating, a phenomena was there, and then the phenomena stopped. And there was another phenomena happening so no and she's like oh we have this big story about this 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 is a one angle relayed by me by the way you know so and it doesn't have to be everybody has to have that story with uh, with this but this to me i i enjoyed listening to it i was like oh she she was really watching a phenomenon though i i i don't know it like this you know through the pulsating here uh, but that's how she experienced it, you know. And you know, I because I'm so much in the dharma and the Buddhist teaching, that's what I, I go. Oh, she's really close to what the Buddha described, you know. Like I watched phenomena. I've watched loads of phenomena. They all tend to appear and disappear, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. I've clarified that in my life, mm-hmm. and she seemed to report the same thing. You know, wow, there was a phenomena. It was happening. And then it stopped happening. Amazing. And I had the chance to know that phenomena, be it this or be it that, you know, kind of a bigger, more meaningful phenomena than, than just uh, pulsating in the, through a vein in the neck, you know. But, uh, you know, and I was trying to see a little bit very... I uh, was curious about kind of the grieving and there's probably going to be different stages and stuff but f- at that point yesterday, it seemed like there was something uh, some sort of gratitude and acceptance and uh, it seemed like there was something very precious there. Being, you know there was something precious it seemed uh, yeah that she, she felt almost like this feeling I was getting this is uh, totally my words here but felt like she there was something about she was lucky she was there in this this setup to be there it was not dramatic you know it was uh, anyway i thought well there's something very uh, very wise about this very spiritual very wise to pay attention to outside of the storyline you know this this moments of things existing mm-hmm. and then not existing And so in this practice, we try to come uh, closer to this. And we go through the very kind of, uh, I don't know if this is the right word, but that's the word that comes mundane. You know, we sit here with traffic. We sit here with tingling in the toes. And we try to give the same kind of uh, care that one would give to the last moments with that. You know, like, oh, look at that, this pulsating a coldness in the feet. And suddenly, whoops, the coldness is gone because the, something else has come forward. And we become uh, acquainted with the arising and passing nature of phenomena. Ah, this arose, it was in existence and then it vanished. And the more we become, I think, uh, maybe interested, uh, attuned to that, so it means, when I say attuned, to me it means uh, not agitated, but quiet and, uh, and involved, engaged, curious. There's a, something, uh, uh, there's energy into it like value, this is given value. The passing, the arising and passing of phenomena is given value. I actually want to see this arise, exist, and vanish. Uh, When this is done, I think we're right in the kind of right angle to discover, that's another insight, uh, to discover the um, causality, conditioned (coughs) nature. If we're really quiet and we see siren arose, if we're very attuned and quiet, it'll make sense to us that it did arose. You know, the conditions were there. You know, we were here, there was, I don't know, somebody called, and suddenly there's the witnessing of this. All the conditions were there for this to exactly this to happen and to vanish. Also because suddenly there was, I don't know what, they reached the destination or they're further away and the sound disappears. The conditions are right for this sound to disappear at some point. It's in order, you know. And so that, uh, in this way we enter a a life where things are lawful, not just I'm not talking about fairness, sorry, but they're lawful. They're, they they live on conditions, you know, conditions being gathered for something to happen. We could be talking about, you know, racism. So it's actually lawful, not that it's fair or okay, not at all. But there was a construction of you know privilege and oppression and opportunities to. You know, gain some power over another, and this is where we are. You know, it's actually all the conditions, and what are we going to do with this? You know, what can we do with this to make it safe for everyone, everyone to be, you know, valued or seen or given opportunity? And, you know, so there's a know I, I there's some peace that can be found oh, this is how it is it came like this in this very much mistaken way you know miss all these mi- mistaken views or this greed or this hatred or this play in the system created a system of privilege and oppression and conditions are so right that for many of us it can easily become that we're not aware. No, we're all equal, it's all good. Mm. And so being attentive like this, we start to see the arising and, and what circumstances makes the arising possible. And then we become interested and also, in, oh, what circumstances makes the disappearing happen, or maybe possible. another way that it plays it's uh, around intention the last time we saw each other those of us who were here we were talking about setting intentions for 2019 you know and um, you know i was um, listening to one teacher uh, andrea fella she was describing very simple, very kind of ordinary, beautiful, arising uh, and passing uh, and attention she and she was just uh, saying she was at the grocery, gathering stuff, uh, you know doing the grocery, but kind of quickly and, and in a rushed way, and like you know when people are obstacles and mm-hmm. you know and and suddenly she became conscious of oh there's something that was had arisen was a an operation that was not uh, known. It was unconscious, but creating stress in oneself. And it was very extremely simple. I like, was just like, ah, oh, come on, you know. And then I noticed this. And one of the, uh, the things that was needed for this to be there, one of the conditions <laughs> needed was unconsciousness. <laughs> and suddenly with consciousness, being conscious, suddenly, boom there was the, capaci- the possibility for kindness to arise, or you know, something more economical than all these tensions. You know. And so you know, there was the arising of something, and then the passing away of it. And so here we learn to pay attention in order to also facilitate the arising of certain mind states, that are helpful for ourselves and others, and uh, help the um, abandoning, uh, the passing away of mind states that are not helpful for us. That's that's the function of mindfulness, being aware, like, oh, I'm actually uh, producing worry. If this runs really well on unconsciousness, you know, be unconscious, you can do this the whole day and it will fortify itself, you know, make a deeper river in the brain, you know, so it can really take hold, you know. But bringing the factor of of, uh, mindfulness, suddenly we can realize, oh, maybe I, I don't want to intent in this way. In the Buddhist teaching, speech, uh, actions of the body and actions of the mind, thinking, is intentional in the teaching. It's intentional, it's intended. So here we become aware, we bring attention, so that we can reorient the intention, moment by moment. You know? I'm about to hate you with you know, a lot of generosity. <laughs> 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 maybe becoming aware, I can say, oh, Pascal, do we really want to go there? Maybe the factor of mindfulness is really weak. And so, be, yes, we really want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe there can be, actually, no, it's, it's not going to be helpful. Maybe there's another way, you know, to, to go about this, feel the ache, you know, attend to it, be, take care of it and maybe touch more on integrity, on something, you know, where my speech is going to come from later, instead of hate, maybe clarity, you know, Uh, something like that. And so it needs this factor of uh, mindfulness to uh, help the passing of some things and the arising of other things. So I'm talking about two different things here I'm talking about um, you know the ephemeral nature of uh, phenomena and we pay attention to it to actually uh, dismantle a bit the, the 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 way we're caught in these stories that run on duration you know It's me, I was there, I'm going to be there. It's all a story of duration, duration. And the Buddha seems to instruct us hey, notice actually the falling apart constantly of moments, of phenomena. Just to cut that story, because there's so much involvement, so much belief in that one particular way to perceive reality that is not actually solid and true. It's just one angle. It's not the whole story, you know, to cut that kind of uh, obsession, addiction, you know, and limiting view, limited view, limited unwise view, limited, What's uh, the wrong view. That's, that's the way it's translated in, uh, in English, wrong view. The wrong view of that storyline, timeline that we're obsessed about, to break this down Buddha said, pay really attention to the arising and passing of all the different phenomena in your life. Particularly those happening now. Because those you can really notice the arising and passing of a breath. You know? And we'll see, at, at some point, we'll see how the mind attaches a story. It's my breath, I'm breathing. Like the eye has duration. The breath keeps going appearing and disappearing but i don't care about this i care about i i keeps going
1: mm-hmm. you know
0: <laughs> like i'm here now later i won't be here this will be dead but uh, but i'm here now i'm over there you know i keep the i going i'm interested in solidity and permanence and duration and i'm caught with it now i'm caught in that view i don't know I mean, even hearing Pascal talking about something else, I don't know what he's talking about. Because <laughs> I've so adhered to that view that I can't see anything else. I can't see that everything's arising and falling apart <laughs> all the time, everywhere. I just know I've created a view and I hold on to it. Do you see a little bit what I'm talking about? Mm. During that time, the breath comes and goes. It died, you know? And so many other things since the beginning of the day. You know? And so the invitation of the Buddha is to become aware, become acquainted, become intimate with, you know, the, basically, I, I say rising and falling, but I could say life and death. It's constantly happening. There's been millions of deaths since the beginning of the day, in this experience, in this experience, you know? Ideas have arisen and they've passed. We haven't noticed this. We got, you know, we just noticed it was there and believed in it. It was true at that moment, and solid, and absolute. No, it was an ephemeral event. So we're learning how to reorient our attention so that we can see what was there the whole time—reality as it is. That's how the Dharma is described: seeing reality as it truly is, imperma- impermanent fluctuating, dynamic, uh, ephemeral. So that's one thing, the ephemeral nature of any event, big, small, uh, and seeing through this when our whole mind seems to be uh, invited to organize around duration and solidity and permanence like we're uh, working really actively at making things solid and then like in the famous story of the person in the cave painting the tiger and then looking at its painting and then freaking out oh my god a tiger <laughs> like we create that permanency it's it doesn't exist it's a made up thing you know we create this and then suddenly we look oh my god death is going to come <laughs> what's going to happen to me And the Buddha says, what? What are you talking about? It's been happening the whole day. (laughs) You just haven't paid attention. Things have appeared and disappeared the whole day. They've been fluctuating the whole day. So I was talking about this and somehow I've ended up touched on uh, how everything that arises is conditional and collapses when the conditions are not there anymore. And we can survey our whole life and we'll see this, that whatever happened and stopped happening for us, it happened because the conditions were there to happen. And when it stopped happening, it's because the conditions were right for it to stop happening, were gathered. Not right in the sense of fair. That's, that doesn't work like that, but in the sense of they were there. You know, health was there because it was supported in some way. Disease happened because it's supported in some way. Some, some conditions make it possible for this to grow there and not grow there anymore. Yeah. And in this conditionality, also we can see that we have power, agency in some way, in the sense that mind states that are uh, afflictive, Uh, that we suffer from, there's some play with it. It's not actually pliable like, okay, let me finish worry now. It doesn't work like this, but there is definitely a training that can help. And For many of us, we're here again this week because we know that from experience. We know that we can make the heart more tender, more compassionate, more loving. That it's possible to actually abandon some tendencies of mind say, actually, I'm not going to invest in this so much. I'm going to redirect the heart or the mind, the attention towards something else. Many years ago, many, many years ago, I started at some point, you know, making little lists of gratitude, things I was grateful for. Now I can't get away from this. Like, uh, and I, I think I was, I can't remember if I was doing this as I woke up in the morning. I think maybe I, as I was going to bed at night or waking up. Anyway, it was happening in bed. And so now, and it happened last, it happened several times during the night. I woke, up in, I woke up in the night, and I'm like, ah, oh, I'm awake. And within a few seconds, and I'm like, what am I grateful about? I'm, this mind has been conditioned <laughs> to do this <laughs> and sometimes I'm like I'm actually not interested I just did it 10 minutes ago
1: <laughs>
0: and I'm like well let's do it it's not a bad way to use the mind anyway I'm awake you know I'm like well I enjoy the sheets I enjoy the quietness nobody's asking anything from me right now I'm enjoying the I'm, I always have the same things anyway
1: <laughs> but
0: the mind has been trained to do that you know And it, I mean it's not so bad it can be trained in so many ways you know to resent and to fear and to and so here we it's not easy I'm, I'm not saying like well okay let's redirect it's easy it's not easy at all but there is a possibility of reconditioning the mind you know making creating the conditions for some uh, helpful beneficial liberating mind states to arise it's possible to do this it's possible to actually create the conditions for the drying up, for the of uh, some of the states of mind that are afflictive, disturbing for ourselves and for others, it's possible to actually train this, uh, and that's the nature of conditionality. You know, when things arise, when the conditions for it are um, there, it means that we do- it means in one way that we don't have control, huh? because it means oh, if this doesn't happen in my life. The conditions were not there for it to happen. I don't have control over it. But it also talks about some control, that we can actually redirect the, the mind. You know, We can say, not now. Not now. I'm not going to use the mind like this right now. It could. Does the whole momentum to go in that direction? Actually, no. I'm going to bring in kindness here. Kindness. You know, like uh, so ache, when ache happens, I don't know if the right word I'm using, but ache like body ache or heart ache, when ache happens, for many of us it's the one right condition for aversion to arise. I don't want ache. You know, I don't want to feel this afflictive emotion. I don't want to feel that pain in the lower back. So you could say uh, ache could be a really good condition for aversion to arise, impatience, frustration. And what I've seen very clearly now is that ache can be the right condition for compassion to arise. This is remarkable because one aversion is adding suffering in the system, in the experience, and the other one is releasing uh, suffering, is accompanying, is... uh, be supporting or um, creating space, I don't know how t- how, you know how it can be perceived in different ways. but to me that's a particular training that I'm trying to do and actually partly successful at it, not totally, but partly. you know so when ache happens suddenly instead of aversion reactivity, often there is, "Oh Pascal, difficult. You're not getting what you want here. It's not happening as you want. Care, care, care. A lot less mistakes are made, you know, that creates lots lots more suffering. So we come here partly to do this, to dismantle uh, the conditions that create uh, more suffering in our lives. Hmm. So that's partly what's happening as we sit, as we sit here. So, what's the um, interest that... Why would we pay attention to um, the sensory awareness, which is a lot of the practice, no? Sensory awareness of sounds, awareness of sensations. Well, for one reason, it's because we're going to discover the rising and passing away of phenomena through the senses is, becomes really clear. You know, the sirens happens and disappears, Like... Uh, you know, deep insight can be gained from that, from close quality encounter with uh, phenomena. Like at the time of the Buddha, this um, practitioner woman who, uh, um, you know, describes all day sitting, walking, no wisdom gained. At night, blowing the candle, everything understood. You know, you can see she was there when she blew the candle she blew the candle and she was so present. She was not like, I'll blow the candle and I have to call Richard. <laughs> she <laughs> was not like "After, <laughs> there, you know, preoccupied. She was not under occupation, she was available. She had, and she blew the candle and it, whoosh, inferential, everything will disappear. I've seen it the whole day, but it was semi-conscious. But now I was so there after a day of of practice that I saw this, what I just saw there, applies to everything. And the mind, released. Suddenly, released from what? What what does that mean, released? What, you know, what's that? Well, it means suddenly no more expectation or fear. Is it going to continue or not? Can I keep it? Now I know if the conditions are right, it's going to stay. If the conditions are not there, it's going to pass. I'm released from fear. I'm released from uh, wishful, you know, I I hope. I'm released from hope. I know that it's lawful. You know, released. So that's why we pay attention to physical phenomena. And the other reason, I think, maybe I could talk about this for months, probably there's many reasons, but another one, is because being aware of phenomena of the physical realm, the breath, the tingling in the hands, and at one point, it, what will come into focus will be the state of the mind knowing that phenomena. The quietness in the mind, the agitation in the mind. So we'll discover the quality of the mind, and we'll be able to uh, maybe abandon some of the qualities that are not helpful and bring some helpful qualities. Et (laughs) voilà. (laughs) Tout (laughs) est (laughs) régulé. Shall we do it a little bit? (laughs) Try it a little bit? So many words, many things said about this in the practice, extremely simple, and not very conceptual, not not much in the words. It's about closeness to uh, phenomena. Unveiled by our preconceived ideas and comments and preferences and opinions. Noticing that uh, the phenomena of the breath, for example, lasting only a few seconds, the in breath. Similarly, with the out breath, an extremely ephemeral event. the mind becomes really quiet, we probably will discover that there's no in-breath. In the sense that at the beginning of the in-breath, the end of the in-breath doesn't exist. It's not even the same thing. At the end of the in-breath, the beginning of the in-breath is long gone. In the same way, what what I call the out-breath is actually several experiences. Several moments of consciousness lasting only a moment each. Buddha talks about consciousness of sound being uh, an actual different event than the consciousness of uh, sensations and see how for us we give it duration I think it's the same consciousness that hears feels and thinks the Buddha says consciousness of a sound arise only with the sound and dies with the sound. And the consciousness of a, a thought arises with the thought and dies with the thought thought. observing phenomena as they arise and pass, and as the knowing of the phenomena arises and passes also. See how we always want to lay a trip of I in there, me at the center of all of this. want to play with this, you can remove the I from the experience, with the mental note-taking. Hearing is happening. Breathing is happening. Is known or agitation is known. There might not be the need for I for a few moments here. Hearing is happening. Sitting is happening. happening. thinking is happening Notice what the mind uh, is up to. Be caught in its uh, usual ways. Maybe awake to what's happening in this space here of uh, research about reality. Attending to phenomena with great care be it the rising and falling of the belly, and maybe studying attention. What is attention? Not answering with words, but with uh, with attention itself. What is ache, what is uh, discomfort, what is uh, ease, depending on what phenomena is present, becoming acquainted, intimate with that phenomena. Here lead to calm and presence rather than scatteredness and agitation. Of uh, boredom, or the mind swept away in the la la land or fiction, and waking up to the phenomena happening, the phenomena of caughtness, goneness, presence. Looking up to the possibility of care, of kindness, of benevolence here, now. For a few more moments here, just a couple of minutes, trying out the Buddha's uh, approach, the Buddha's technique. Not thinking about all this, but feeling, coming close to the experience of hearing Noticing how breathing is happening by itself. So does the knowing. The day has passed. It's night. (laughs) (laughs) Any um, question about uh, practice? Any clarification you'd like to have here? A few words and something? Yeah. I find
1: that when uh, when I pay attention to the sort of transient sort of phenomenon. I find it unnerving uh, often, you know, like even just the language of life and death is true. It strikes me as being the case, but there's a little, like, sometimes a little fear or anxiety, Mm. you know, that comes up in response to that. But then also I find that other times it's a relief because if I'm feeling something distressing, then it's, you know, sort of relief to to remember that it's gonna flow along. Yeah. but then I'm just wondering, too, it seems like um, last time you were here, you were talking about gratitude. And um, and it seems like there's also like a, a, a poignance uh, attached to that. And you often talk about how I want to treat people, become curious about distressing feelings and mind states and stuff, and there's moments of curiosity that come. And I'm just wondering if your, uh, your experience is that, um, of just being with the uh, uh, ephemerality of phenomena leads to a, a kind of cherishing quality, or a savoring, or a, a gratitude even for mundane yeah. Um, experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the the wise outcome of this, you know, because you know, talking about everything being ephemeral could easily lead to cynicism, you know, like, wow, it doesn't count. It's gonna. Actually, at the time of the Buddha, there's a group of uh, people you talk to, they, they wrongly understood the practice. And they I think they, I mean, the, the way the story goes is they committed the g- group suicide. You know, they say, oh, it's not worth living. Everything is passing. And, you know, and the Buddha was like, oh, my God, so not wise, you know, so not wise. And, uh, you know, the way we talk about this practice is it's... Uh, it's called uh, sometimes it's referred to as the sure heart's release I don't know if you've heard that the sure heart's release and the heart's release is the access the kind of spontaneous natural access to joy and to compassion and so for me the ephemerality that's thats what I see I see it as a pathway to uh, seeing the preciousness of something happening it could easily have not happened you know remove one of the conditions in this meeting would not have happened, you know. And so, wow, amazing that the conditions are such that this is possible, you know, that this is made possible. It's so fragile, so unstable, so, yeah, fragile. So it's there. How amazing, you know, so an appreciation, gratitude for what works, what is beautiful, a capacity to rejoice, you know. And... um, and compassion because knowing that things beautiful and hard, you know, the conditions will make things happen but also will make them pass. So the the compassion for that. Compassion for being in such a strange reality where we're gonna lose everything. You know? Oh. So if I'm attuned to reality as it is, it brings in me compassion. Wow. You know what you know what's your health is gonna go, your memory is gonna go, your loved ones are gonna go you know how this is very touching so it it makes uh, it ignites inside oneself the the wish for safety the wish for uh, for ease the wish for things to go well the wish to take care of the wish not to abuse not to make it harder the wish to accompany you know so this is compassion so joy compassion and one of the big one of the heart's quality is equanimity you know the lack of equanimity is the reactivity i don't want this to happen why me you know uh, equanimity is, it's not about me if the conditions were right of course this did happen you know so does it, you know it it removes a lot of the distress the equanimity but this this is like you know, it's, it's not the decision. Okay, let me be aware of uh, ephemerality and be touched by it, be compassionate about it, and be equanimous about it. You know, <laughs> There's, as you say, you know, sometimes it comes to mind and it brings anxiety. But I don't want to lose this, or I fear losing it. You're telling me it's going to go. You know, I don't like that. So it's very delicate work of becoming coming close to reality, as it is, you know, it's very, very delicate work to learn to actually accept uh, the nature of reality. Uh, not easy at all, you know. Of course, people will go crazy in all kinds of ways and react in all kinds of ways and become aggressive and defensive and, you know, don't touch this, it's mine, you know, I want to keep it, I fear losing it. Uh, In a way, I see all the different reactions we have, and it makes sense. Of course, you would fight for... uh, Of course, you would... You know, the Buddha keeps talking about people beating their chest and and pulling on their hair. I can't remember the exact uh, expression, but he he recognizes that it makes sense that we would beat our chest. I
1: can't believe. No, why me? Why me?
0: You know? All this distress makes sense in this reality. But there's. he also says there's another way. There's another way we can actually accept the nature of reality and, and learn to be with, in it with uh, composure, maybe with grace. You know, it's possible. And not easy, but possible. That's the kind of research we're doing. That's the exploration we're doing. Is it actually possible? Let's try and see, you know. Okay, so can this be this f- for today?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's ending. Maybe it was precious and it's going, or maybe it's a blessing. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it ended. <laughs> I thought it would never end.
1: <laughs>
0: so um, I think I'm going to be coming back in March. Huh? So I would. Wi- March. March 6th, okay, I wish uh, I wish you well, I'll be uh, traveling a little bit for uh, teaching here and there, so I, uh, you. I wish you well, thank you. and uh, thank you also for your support, you know, it's support to the center here, we're welcomed here uh, by the owners uh, uh, generously, they offer the space here for us, and uh, for this um, studio to keep being alive, fragile thing, you know. It needs uh, everybody's consideration. Same thing for this life here. (laughs) And I thank you very much because we have done that up to now. So it's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.